welcome to the What to Read Next podcast. In this podcast, your host, Lori Amin, will invite a bookish guest to share their favorite book recommendation. If you share a passion for books and always looking for your next read, then join us. Welcome to the What to Read Next podcast. Today's bookish guest is Rudy, Kate, and Adele from the podcast, What Would Danbury Do? Hi. Hey. Hello. <laughs> I just <Hello>. waved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I waved hello. So just so we're very clear that <laughs> I understand how podcasts work. <laughs> I know we're official. No, I'm sorry. We're audio. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I do that all the time in Zoom meetings now. I wave goodbye. I've never waved more in my life than in like re- remote working situations. <laughs> Yeah, I keep my camera off and I still wave and do like nods of acknowledgement. Oh, um, oh. I love this. So let's go ahead and get started. So Kate, Adele, and Rudy, one at a time, you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Shall so, I start? Yep. Kate, sir. Um, hi, I'm Kate. I am one third of What Would Dan Brady Do, the Bridgerton podcast. In my non-podcasting life, I work for an arts organization developing programs for writers. Before that, I was an editor for Harlequin running a romance imprint here in Australia. And I really read too much, really. My very favorite thing to do and I spend a lot of time talking to other people about why romance should be considered more thoroughly in the literary ecosystem. I love this. <laughs> um, how about you, Adele? Uh, hi, I'm Adele. Uh, I work for a university library here in Melbourne, and um, I've only been doing that probably the last six months. But before that, I worked in an arts organisation, not Kate's. <laughs> and um, I was sort of organ- uh, I would organise programming and advocacy for young adult literature and the professionals that work with them. So really making sure that teens were connecting with uh, reading that was fun and not based on the curriculum. So that was, it's been my life for about 10 years until recently. Um, And when, like, I guess what else? I read a lot. I went from at the start of COVID being very behind in my Goodreads and now I'm smashing it. So thank you, COVID. I'm seven books ahead of my challenge now. And I was four books behind when we went into lockdown. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's the only, po- you got to grasp at those positives somewhere. Like uh, I think I was uh, 14 behind, seven, seven behind. And now um, I'm like, I think 15 up. So I've done oh, pretty bloody well. That's really yeah. impressive. So how many books have you yeah. read so far within, you know, so far in the year? The year? Uh, 70. Oh yeah, you beat me. Um, I think I've read fifty-five. That's amazing. But you've been reading non-romance. I pretty much exclusively read romance. Like <laughs> my job... romance, you read quicker. Like you know what I mean? It's not, and I'm not saying anything about quality. Do not like take anything. <laughs> but like, if you're reading a literary novel, which I know that you do, Kate, <laughs> they take longer. They don't move. They do take a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, my job means I have to read very widely across um, mm-hmm. all fiction and nonfiction um, poetry. So, yeah, I come back to romance novels when I'm reading for myself. But other than that, I do do I do read very very widely. That's awesome. And how about you, Rudy? How about tell us a little bit about yourself and how's your reading going? 
Um, so I'm Rudy. I'm a Gamilaray woman. Um, and I don't really have a non-podcast life because my actual job is uh, I work for the Australian Broadcast Commission. Commission? Yes, I think that's what we are. Um, I work for the ABC, which is Australia's public broadcaster. Uh, and I, yeah, my, my day job is radio and podcasting. And then my fun non-day job is podcasting about books. <laughs> um, as far as reading currently, I, I've never done a Goodreads challenge until this year. And so I set the very safe target of 30 books. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm about to hit that target. <laughs> I'm about to finish my <laughs> Goodreads challenge. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I love it. Yeah, I think I'm at 85 this year. So, but we're really slowed down. But we're really has slowed down. I used to read a book a day. That's no longer the case. So, hopefully, in the future, that may be the case again. But you know, COVID has brought in a new set of challenges for me, like contemporaries or hit or miss, um, some fantasy hit or miss, and then but historicals do really well. So, it's hard Can to just ask, like, just. For my own interest, do people count rereads in their Goodreads challenge? Yeah, Hell you yeah. can I, hand them. Uh, I, I never have in the past, but I figured that this year rereads absolutely counted. Enough was shit in the world that I wasn't going to set artificial barriers to meeting the very easy challenges I set myself. And, like the first month of lockdown, I couldn't read. That's how stressed I was. That's how I know I'm stressed. I don't read and so I had to reread something to reset my reading brain like um so it, it actually took a bit to me to get into reading mode again but um but yes rereads totally count because I, I, <laughs> I do reread things obviously I mean like our podcast is literally a reread but um I'm not counting those when I, you when should, I, you should, you should, they're, they count in Goodreads. It used to never, it used to didn't count in the past and they update. It's one of the few updates that Goodreads have done is that they count the many times you date, you read it. So you can see if you read the book yeah. five times, it will tell you the dates that you have read it. So it does count. The only well, way I would. Laura, I'm the queen of making artificial rules that only apply to like. <laughs> Be careful, Laura. She might rank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you seen the new the story graph, which is sort of the new reading? Tracker? Yes, I'm really yeah. interested in that. I signed up this week because I was really interested in it. I wanted to see how it worked. Um, but they actually have one of the things that I love. I, I don't know very much about the platform. So I'm just going to say that the very little thing that I do know about it that I really like is they have an option for did not finish. And they also have an option where you can click reread. And mm. that's been Ooh. great because in Goodreads, you don't really have an option for do not for did not finish. And there are yeah. occasionally books where I will put down. Um, and being able to sort of track the rereads as well has been really good. So I haven't really played with the platform a lot yet, but what I'm, what I'm seeing, I'm liking. 
That's also, awesome. apparently they have half stars. Oh, thank God. Yes. Oh, I haven't rated anything yet. So they probably took everything that Goodreads doesn't want to do, update the, the platform's obsolete, and they probably were like, we're going to update it the way Goodreads should be updated and make a new yeah. platform, which like, is probably I, what needs to happen. Yeah. I hate rating things because I just feel like five stars doesn't really get it done. I would like yeah. to have some emoji choices, like hot um a snoring face like boring um like or like uh i think i would like emojis so my plans awesome all right so let's talk about your podcast what would denbury do tell us a little bit about the podcast i think adele should start because she's the one who got us into this mess (laughs) i totally did (laughs) um so I think it was like a year ago, um, actually, it now was, that I think about it. It was almost exactly a year ago because it was at my birthday party that you it said, hey, too. I think we should do a podcast. And my birthday is this Thursday. Yeah. So um, the news about a year a year ago came out that Shonda Rhimes behind Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, How to Get Away with Murder, like the Queen, basically, um, uh, had signed this exclusive deal with Netflix to produce a lot of different shows. Um, and one of the first properties she bought was the Bridgerton series by Julia Quinn. And if you're involved, if you read any historical romance, you know who Julia Quinn is, like, even Mm -hmm. if you don't read her and the Bridgerton series is like her big thing. So, um, I saw the potential straight away that there could be a good podcast in that, um, and also, like, I love historical romance and what better to, you know, do something fun around something that's going to be great for our community and building the readership even more, maybe, than having Shonda Rhimes do a show. So, um, and then I, I think I talked to Kate at her birthday and I talked to Rudy on Twitter and I can't find it. We must not have mentioned Netflix podcast or anything in the interchange. So I have to try and track down. <laughs> but um, to talk about like romance reading with your friends is just the, the funnest thing ever. So, um, and then of course there's a bit of strategy in that that show is probably is going to drop at some point this year. So we can be a really great spark notes for people who don't have time to reread the series before it starts. Cause you usually only get what three to four weeks notice. Although mm-hmm. romance readers could totally get that done. Eight books in that time. <laughs> um, but all for people who don't want to read it but want to know a little bit more could probably listen to our podcast. And then season two, we'll dig into the adaptation on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for the adaptation. So what are some of the plans for adaptation do you see for season two to come up? Well, I think we're going to, um, because the adaptation is, it's really quite that. It's an adaptation. It's a reimagining of, the universe. So there are new characters that have been introduced. There are characters that have been expanded. And certainly because each of the books is solely about one couple and Netflix doesn't really work like that. I can't Mm -hmm. see Netflix signing an eight season deal. I should imagine, I think, I think I read somewhere that Netflix tends to be three seasons for everything, even if it's not, even if it's still incredibly popular. So I imagine that they've probably signed a three season deals, which means that they're going to have to get through all of what happens in the books in those 
three seasons. So the timeline is going to be really compressed as well. I'm really excited. I think that Shonda Rhimes has such a vision for all of her shows. The pictures that are coming out from the set and the cast um, just look fantastic. And I cannot express how much I love Dairy Girls. So when I found out that Nicola was cast as Penelope, the sound that I made was inhuman. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that as well. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I heard some noise that it was the first season's gonna be book one through four or book one and four or something or along those lines. You know, they're probably gonna introduce certain elements about the romance, you know, but I'm curious. And, and that makes sense with the, the chronology Oh my god, I can't talk right now. It makes sense with the timeline of the books as well. There's a bit of a gap, mm-hmm. uh, I think, after four, because wasn't four supposed to be the last book reading? I think so. Yeah, four was where it was supposed to end. And also, um, basically, four, five, and six all kind of happen on top of each other. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, overlapping timelines between Colin, um, Francesca and Eloise, like all of, yeah, the, the, their story. So I can see that working quite well, sort of compressing that all into one season, those three books. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is fascinating. So um, let's talk about Bridgertons. Who is your favorite Bridgerton? By marriage or by birth? Um, let's do both. Let's do marriage and birth. Okay. <laughs> Pick your favorite lady. Pick your, no, um, uh, Colin probably in terms of the, the bite. You know, I do like Daphne a lot though as well. Look, I like a lot of them. I wouldn't read the books and we wouldn't have a podcast <laughs> if we didn't like them. Um, you know what? It's hard to choose favorites, but in terms of by marriage, probably Kate. Oh yeah, me too. I'm Although I like Kate. Kate who marries, um, Anthony. Anthony. I like her a lot, but I also like Gregory really punched above his weight. Like I really do like, I've gone completely blank. Lucy. Lucy. Like Lucy is so pragmatic. I kind of just love her to death. So I think Kate and Lucy are kind of very similar personality wise as well. So, um, but in terms of Bridgerton, probably Violet actually. Uh I'm going to change the rules. Okay. Violet. <laughs> then the mother, the matriarch. The rule is pick your own Bridgerton. I think yeah. Violet's yeah. 100% a Bridgerton. It's fine. By, yeah. by marriage. <laughs> so I like the by marriages more than I like the by births. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out if it was too cute to say that I also like Kate best. Um, but I'm just going to leave it. It's 100% fine. Kates are amazing across the board. Mm. I think by birth. Uh, maybe Hyacinth. Certainly Hyacinth is a lot of fun to read about. I don't know what she'd be like to hang out with in person for long stretches of time. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked reading about Hyacinth. I think by, I think by birth Hyacinth, I've got to agree. Um, and by marriage... I actually kind of want to say Michael. Yeah, because the man can I, do I, stuff. I think that... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> definitely wins best 
at best. <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence. Anyway, sorry, Rudy, keep going. Adele, yeah, look, Adele has lost the power of speech thinking about Michael. Um, I just think that he's lovely and, and that book, we spoke about it a little bit um, when we were reading it, that it, it doesn't, people tend to forget it when they're, when they're thinking about the Bridgerton series as a whole. I think most people when they're thinking about the series really are only talking about the first four books. Mm -hmm. um, arguably, maybe not even the full first four, because I think that, I still think that a lot of romance readers don't like Benedict. And I think the <laughs> two are very loud. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we didn't get a lot of, um, a lot of backlash when we talked about him being the worst. Um, <laughs> so I he think is. most people, when they're thinking about the, the Bridgerton series, they're really only ever talking about the Duke and I, the Viscount who loved me, and romancing Mr. Bridgerton. So mm -hmm. that's one and four. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, yeah, When He Was Wicked has a special place in my heart and it doesn't really have the same tone as the rest of the series. Yeah. And that is yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. There's something really lovely about that book. And I think that Michael is a big part of why it is lovely and I love it. I've thought about your question, which Bridgerton I like the most. I think it'd probably be a toss up between Anthony and Colin. Like mm -hmm. I like Colin's shit stirring ways. Like he's in a lot of the books, like making, like prodding people. Like the way he prods Michael is brilliant in when he was wicked. Um, but like Anthony, I really like seeing his relationship with the siblings throughout all the books because he's become their father for all intents and purposes. So um, he's really stodgy and he's like, but like, he's got the weight of like eight, seven siblings on his shoulders. So I think I really like Anthony, even though he's petty and stuck up and, but like, you know, he chose Kate, so he can't be that bad. <laughs> even if he's terrified of beasts. Yeah. I was going to say about the bee situation, <laughs> you know, so. We ever talk the about how weird it is that, sorry. Um, I know that at one stage we started saying that Kate is Violet. Did we ever talk about the weirdness of Anthony effectively marrying his mother? And, and so did Gregory. Gregory basically married his mother as well. So in Lucy. So yeah, it, it's, it's a bit gross. Is it though? Gross. Mean, just, just like, just weird. Psychologically like, interesting. Mm. Yes, yes, psychologically interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think we all thought of it. I don't think we discussed it on the podcast at all, actually. Did any of them yeah. marry their father? I suppose, did any of them I marry don't know their, you. Anthony stand in? <clears throat> Not really. No, I think they probably all married Collins, like, like, like Colin Lights, really. No, wait, yeah. no, I mean, Philip is a bit. Anthony S. Yeah, I mean, not Simon not is a bit Anthony-esque. Mm. Who is? Sorry, Ruth. Simon. I think Simon is uh, Anthony. Yeah, that's and, true, actually. And Gareth is absolutely Simon. Like, they're the same character. Yeah, yeah. you might be right, actually. Michael is not. 
and um philip's a bit of a i'd be philip is like anthony but not as good as anthony i think philip is anthony if he had no family anthony oh you're so right no sense of responsibility but philip had a family he had children <laughs> <laughs> Raising his child, raising his sibling. So he was. So True. Philip is like a shit version of Anthony. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, Laura? Um, Colin and Penelope. So I have a, a soft heart for Penelope. Just feel for her. And then Colin just the shitzer. Like he just he just kept showing up in the books, and I love him for that. Yeah. So. I would love to know who Julia Quinn like loves the best. I bet think the ones we love the me- like the best are the ones she loves the best because yeah. she put all that work into them. But she she totally loves Colin more than anybody, I think. Yeah. And Penel- Penelope. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I feel like she was like she made a huge point about having baby Colin in the first come scandal. She was like, There's baby Colin. Like, yeah, there's Anthony and Benedict too, but it was like baby Colin. <laughs> And Colin's hungry again. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) The big thing for me is if they do the adaptation and Colin isn't eating in every scene, I'm going to be so bummed out. Like he needs to be, that that actor needs to be like chowing down (laughs) every scene. Like um, what did, was it Rudy said like Brad Pitt in Ocean's 11, like 11, like he's just constantly snacking on something. There's like a YouTube clip style. somewhere of Brad Pitt just eating in every scene of every movie he's ever been in. That's the kind of energy we need Colin to have in the adaptation. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So now we're changing things up. We're going to talk about romance. We're going to talk about when did you start reading romance and what do you love about the genre? So I started reading romance when I was 15 and... I, um, my, my dad is the reader in our family and he raised me on very serious books. Um, my mum's not much of a reader, so it, that wasn't where I was getting my, my romances from. It was actually one of my friends raided her mum's bookshelf. Um, so I started with Jennifer Cruz's Faking It. And Ooh. went from there. That um, is such a good first romance book. It's such a good first romance book. Yeah. It's arguably too good of a start. Yeah. <laughs> like it sets <laughs> it sets certain expectations and it makes it really hard to go to the more kind of wild out there books which are like I'm trying to go backwards a little bit at the moment so I've been picking up some of the yeah some of the more out there titles that I've heard about for years I'm attempting now because I think that I I'm in a place where I can actually read them without just getting sort of angry or upset um what was the next part of the question sorry so what do you love about the genre? What do I love about it? Um, I think the, the guaranteed HEA is a really big factor. Um, I, 
I work in a pretty serious environment. Um, and so when I'm off the clock, I like to be properly off. And I, I like being part of, I like reading about parts of life where, you know, the, the good people win and, the, <laughs> and they triumph and they find love. And I think that there's something really radical about just embracing love or there can be something really radical about that. So yeah, that's kind of the basics of what I love about the genre. I love it. Um, how about you Adele? Uh, I think I was somewhere between 10 or 12 and I was at my grandmother's house and I'm not from a reading family pretty much at all. So I didn't really see a lot of, my mum read, but she read like new age books. So I don't really count that. Um, so I was at my grandma's and I was bored and we were there for weeks and, um, I found her 1970s Mills and Boone mm. and they were the, the time when they were all horribly brown, orange, and like even the green kind of looked a bit like poo. Like it was just like all those shades that was not great, but I, I read a couple of them and they're like, it, like category romance, I guess. So, um, they're really quick to read. And then I would go home <laughs> and I'd have to go near my mum's workplace. And she worked near like a Salvos, like a Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And at the front, they always had um, like a basket of Mills and Boone novels and you could buy three for $2. This was 25 years ago. Uh, so um, I would just buy like three of them. And um, I just read a crap ton of Mills and Boone category romance um, or Harlequin. I don't, is it called Mills and Boone in the US? No, I don't think so. I think they're Harlequin. So, oh, but I'm talking or... about that between like Harlequin sort of, you know, the short category romance books. Yeah. Um, and then I think when I was 13 or 14, I read The Sheik, which is, we'll just skip that. Very young. <laughs> and then I uh, discovered uh, Lee Greenwood's Seven Brides series, which is a Western historical romance um, series about a series of brothers whose um, father was like big in Virginia and was basically a drunk womanizer. And to get him out of Virginia, like all the friends and family put money together and bought this crap ranch out in Texas, in Texas straight after the civil war. So um, like it's each of the brothers, there's seven of them (laughs) end up marrying each book this sounds familiar now that I think about it. Marry a woman with a name that is a flower. So uh, George, who's the oldest, and a little bit like Anthony now that I think about it, marries a woman called Rose, who he he basically orders her so he has a house, like <laughs> someone to look after the house and like raise his six-year-old youngest sibling. This is sounding very similar right now. And I just love that series. I've reread it somewhat recently and it's not as good as I remember but it's still pretty good and it was written by a guy so the first series of romance books that I absolutely adored was written by a dude so there you go that's amazing yeah (laughs) how about you Kate um I have a similar story only in my case my grandmother came to us um so I have uh, Canadian family and Australian family my dad's Australian my mom's Canadian and my nana came to visit one summer when I was 12 
and she read Mills and Boone novels. And this was, this would have been like late, early 90s. So they were all like, they were all like but this big and they were hardcover and they were all color coded. So like the blue one, the dark blue ones were medical and the light blue ones were sweet. And like the baby pink ones were like, slightly hot and then the red ones were really hot um and my nana never went anywhere near the red ones but she would go to the library with us and take out like stacks of these mills and boone and our family were big readers <clears throat> and i was a huge reader and i sort of run out of everything to read and my nana handed me one and it was a light blue one so there you have it it was dreaming actually by charlotte lamb i looked it up um, a few years ago. You when started I was with Charlotte Lamb? I did. Oh my gosh. How's that <laughs> for an, an, an entry point? That's great right. too. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then I used to, then I tore through all of the Mills and Boone all the way through high school. Like the librarian just took to putting them aside for me whenever they came in. I discovered the red ones on my own. Um, <laughs> the red I ones have always been bad. my favorite too. Um, they're blazes, which sadly they don't, publish anymore no. um, yeah. I used to really like the blazes um and then somewhere in there I started reading Amanda Quick and that was sort of my foray from reading category into reading single title romances and I think it also explains why historical remains sort of my absolute favorite mm. era of romance novels I guess and it wasn't very far to jump from Amanda Quick to Julia Quinn and the rest is history so what kind of historical? I used to read. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead I used to read Amanda Quick at. Um, there was a couple of her books in my school library at high school, and so. Oh, that's progressive. Mm, so my friends and I, in our in year twelve, we would have our like roll call, in the library, and we set ourselves up next to the romance shelves. And we would pick a different book <laughs> of the show and do dramatic readings for each other. And so slightly shady Amanda Quick was one of those. Lovely. You're producing even back then, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, so speaking of historicals, which um, historical time period do you love? Do you love Regency or do you love any other time period? I do love the Regencies. I really like I really like Victorian and Georgian and Edwardian as well. Laura Lee Gerke, oh gosh, this is going back to the turn of the century series uh, that I really, really loved. And I sort of was wishing that we would, see, would have seen more in that time period. Um, and I like medievals as well. So the only thing that I don't really respond to, <clears throat> and this might be um, having grown up Canadian, uh, I don't really, really respond to American historicals, mm -hmm. um, but I enjoy historicals set in most time periods in, yeah, in other countries. Okay. I like Regency, um, and I definitely like American historicals pretty much of any era for some reason. I, but the, largely the Western stuff, I don't know why, but it's something that follows me in movies and TV shows as well. I like the Westerns. I think I like the depiction. I mean, obviously it wasn't a good time to be a woman, but some of the women were freaking like really amazing in that time period. So um, I, I do like a good male order bride. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, 
because I, I, you know, it was one of the first books I read basically that I liked, but obviously it has to be done well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm really a Regency, probably a little bit Victorian as well. How about you, Rudy? Um, so I've been rethinking my relationship to historical romance. Um, I have to admit straight up, I actually don't know the names of time periods and uh, that's why I avoided it. So just set Rudy. In. <laughs> <laughs> Confession, me um, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's all set in the past. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's all accurate. It is accurate. <laughs> um, uh, so I, yeah, but um, so I'm a First Nations person from Australia, and um, more specifically, Gamilaroi. But that, like, because of that, it has particularly recently got me rethinking the types of his. The types of historicals that I read, because I, I started out with authors like Julia Quinn and Lisa Claypass, and um, I'm quite literally looking at my bookshelf right now, you know, like <laughs> Elizabeth Hoyt, like um, Eloisa James. So these are all very, very white. They're all set in England, quite literally the people that colonised my people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it, it's. Mm. I think that's why of, I'm. Yeah, sorry. There's a bit of cognitive dissonance that I have to kind of engage with every time I read these books, because. Yeah. Like the way that the way that these characters have the wealth that they have, is because they're oppressing people like my own ancestors. Um, not just depressing, like killing. Um, and then, yeah, so like there's, there's something in that. And then I can't, and because of that, it also kind of filters into every historical that I read. It doesn't matter what continent it's set on. There is a part of me that is going, P.S. Occupied land. <laughs> like, yeah. P.S. I'm sort of laughing as I say this, but it's because I'm uncomfortable. Um, so I, I have more recently started to pick up um, books from people like Lydia San Andres, um, mm-hmm. Jenkins, uh, people who are engaging in that aspect of like of history as well, like talking about those oppressive powers, um, the way that like the, the actual histories of the land and and acknowledging the truth of it Mm so so I don't I I think I still I still gravitate towards your really like white bread historical romance of England in the past I'm so sorry I wish I knew whether it was (laughs) I do wish I knew whether it was Regency or Victorian (laughs) That I yeah, like. It's all the same. <laughs> so, it really so. is, isn't it? Anyway, it's all um, the same. So we still kind of gravitate to all of okay, those shaking authors. Your head. <laughs> <laughs> the editor is like, no, they're not the same. Be precise in your language. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> there is honestly, like, 
in in the best possible way. There is nothing I love more than disappointing Kate with my <laughs> <laughs> ability <laughs> to stick to details and grammar. <laughs> grammar is a social construct that doesn't bother me so much, but you know, <laughs> preciseness is important. Precision is important. Mm. Like um, I've. Yeah, sorry, Rudy. <laughs> sorry. So yeah, so so while I still kind of gravitate to those those historical authors that I have been reading for the last like fifteen odd years, my relationship to them is changing, and um, and it has made me more interested in authors who are open to exploring their own relationship to the historical periods that and and countries continents whatever that they're writing about as well so that's where i'm at i think some of my discomfort with it as well has led to me reading so much more contemporary in the last few years i didn't used to read contemporary at all all i, I would read was historical romance that was it um, and then probably in the last five years going more and more into contemporary because I want to see the world that I live in more um, and the women that I know and the men that I know. And I, I want to see, like, there's not a huge amount of, like, LGBT representation in historical romance either, uh, First Nations, obviously, because no one wants to have a hero that's overtly, like, making money off of other people. <laughs> like, there, there's a lot there. And obviously, yeah, I think I read a lot more uh, contemporary as a result. It's it's hard, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I think it's, the, at least we're doing the thinking and uh, actions are changing as a result of that. And we're asking for different books to be published. So mm -hmm. I think it's good, but it, it's a start and we need to be more active in that as well. I think just letting us, yeah, if anything's sort of come up in the last year, it's like, you need to actively help the world become something that you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we need more diverse books. Like we need more diversity and just more conversations about what's going on in the world and how it's yeah. reflected to the books that we read. So mm. that's great. Awesome. So let's get back from the tangent. Let's talk about romance tropes. So Kate, what is your favorite romance trope? Um, I actually put a lot of thought into this. Um, of course you did. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I sort of came up with my favorite pairing and then like the tropes that I love it associated with. So um, Rudy and Adele are going to roll their eyes. But my favorite pairing is grumpy sunshine romances mm -hmm. where you have a grumpy, one grumpy main character and then the other sunshiny um, main character. So I'm talking about like Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert did this recently. The Wall of Winnipeg and Me had a really lovely grumpy sunshine, right? Right. I love that book. <laughs> and it's love so it. huge. It's like, it's an absolute brick. So yeah, it's yeah, they, don't, they, don't, they don't hook up into like the last 30 pages or something. I know, but it doesn't matter because you're just reading it because the dynamic works so well. But I especially mm. love when that grumpy sunshine is mixed with enemies to lovers, like Ooh. Hating Game, which is written by an Australian Sally Thorne, um, Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey oh, McQuiston yes. is another really good so example good. of grumpy sunshine and enemies to lovers. 
Um, and Lucy Parker does it really well, I think, too, with her fake re fake relationship books, Act Like It, um, in particular. And, I mean, Pretty Face has the same dynamic as well, but that's not a fake relationship. So, um, I don't know that I have a favorite trope necessarily, but I definitely have a favorite pairing. I like it. I like this pairing. How about you, Adele? Um, so, I am known for not remembering pretty much anything, and I think I've already proven that twice in this recording so far. <laughs> Uh, but I really like when there's a childhood relationship. They doesn't have to be sweethearts. Like they could hate each other as kids. Like I love when that sort of comes. There's a history that isn't about love or lust. It's just about like existing. <laughs> so I like when that comes into play and like knowing each other's families and stuff like that. So I think the childhood sweethearts, playmates, and particularly like the heroine has an older brother who has a mate that they've mm. like that they either had a, a, you know, good or not so great relationship with. So like most recently I've seen that in uh, Dear Enemy by Kristen Callahan, which is about um, Macon and Delilah and <laughs> such names. Um, and he dated her sister, little sister growing up and she was adopted and didn't look like the rest of her family. Like it's, there's all this stuff going on, but like 10 years later, they she becomes his assistant to uh like protect her sister who is awful so um and then they have this like push pull the whole time and it's great and you're like oh he always liked her he was just awful <laughs> so i don't love that like the boys treat you mean because they're keen like i don't love that but i i do i do like that childhood relationship and i particularly like that in historical romances too because as you know a duke always has another duke as a bro that's around and usually they don't have any parents so they have to go and spend the summers with that family and so they've always known the younger sister who was annoying in pigtails in a tree or something They're, like that's quite common so I think that's my thing but I also do like I do like the gruff monosyllabic heroes in the vein of guess Darcy um and so I've just started reading Talia Hibbert's <laughs> Merry Inkmas um, because I also, and I don't like Christmas as a person, but I like Christmas historical romance for some, who knows why. So yeah, that's like my two things in one. I love it. <laughs> They're not tropes, but yeah, anyway, like I, I like Christmas it. in my historical romance. I love it. <laughs> How about you, Rudy? Um... So I, I was really struggling to pick a favourite trope. So I've decided to go with a trope that I wish there was more of, um, which is actually, I kind of love heroines that are a little bit vapid. I actually, I, I think it's a, it's a reaction to there being so many um, so many heroines who are super competent and super smart, like in those sort of stereotypical intelligence kind of way. And I kind of like the books that I, the handful of books I've read where, um, where the heroine is a little bit, um, yeah, like a little bit vapid, a little bit ditzy, but that like, is inherently still pretty great. Um, I think part of it is that she gets underestimated in a way that I think a lot of women do. 
Um, so books like Chaos Reigning, um, and which is by Jesse Mahalik, I think her name is, um, and also Darlene Marshall wrote a a historical, she writes pirate romance, and so her castaway dreams um, has, like, Daphne is just delightful, like, she's a little bit of an airhead, and her, like, all of her intelligence is kind of based around fashion, and it's kind of because that's the only thing she's ever been allowed to, or encouraged to be interested in and good at, and that it says something really interesting to me. And so those kind of characters, like if you have watched Shit's Creek and you love Alexis, that's who I'm talking about, that kind of archetype. And now I've got la, 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 la in my head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, like she might be a huge, huge yacht, but she's also, <laughs> she's also just like incredibly cool and kind and probably like curious and open to learning more. It's just that the, you know, expectations on her haven't really pushed for that to happen yet. Or for her to keep that those smarts under wraps. Like I, I love that. I think that there's something really interesting and fun in that type of trope. I love it. I definitely want to read more of that. So thank you for putting a word to the type of archetype and also the sunshine grumpy within a slower. So this is awesome. All right. So this is a question. I'm just going to, you can insert the Roman subgenre. So Kate, what kind of Roman subgenre do you love? And then what has been your favorite book that you've read this past year in that subgenre? Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, so my preferred subgenre, I guess, as we spoke about, is historical is the one that I come back to the most, um, <clears throat> but it's also the one that I'm reading the least at the moment. So like Adele, I'm reading a lot of contemporary romance at the moment um, and really finding um, finding what I'm looking for in those books. The books that I read recently that I really, really loved, um, I read Temporary Wife Temptation by J.C. Lee, which mm -hmm. was really, really good. Um, that has that fake relationship element that I really mm -hmm. love. Um, it doesn't necessarily have the grumpy sunshine, and Rudy probably wouldn't like it because they're both incredibly competent all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, which is sort of why they feel like they can go into this relationship being you know, practical and competent and understanding the barriers and the boundaries. And so when they can't keep their hands off each other, it comes as a complete shock to them. And uh, they don't know I need to how, read how, this. To, they don't really know how to manage it. So um, I, I like competent people too. I just think there's, a, <laughs> there's like plenty of them and I would like some incompetent people. <laughs> we also, we all three of us do like some competence porn though. Like mm, we do. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I recently got into, this is um, Rudy's fault because she's been yelling about it for ages and <laughs> it was more about finding the time to fit it into my schedule. I recently like absolutely burned through all of Rebecca Weatherspoon's um, novellas. 
just one right after the other. Um, so I'm, I can't even tell you what the titles were or which book was which, but because, because it was just one right after the other, after the other, I just burned through her entire backlist. Um, and that was some fun. Let me tell you, that was a very good time. So I would strongly recommend if you need to get yourself out of the world and into a different headspace, just start at the beginning and read until you hit the end. I love it. Yeah, Rebecca Witherspoon is one of my authors who's on my, on my TBR. Like, I wanted to bring her on the show, but I need to read more of her books. And I'm like, it's like, when am I going to read them all? But I have to. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, Adele, you like hockey romance. Which is not a subgenre. It's just my thing. It's my it's, catnip. <laughs> it is my catnip, too. So I've been looking forward to hearing about your take on it. So, I will say, I've got, like about five authors that I would read like just automatically I, I will okay. not, I will say I haven't read something I really love this year so I don't have anything I can directly like talk okay. about um and I don't give five stars like I don't do that um so uh it's not how I roll it's She's always really harsh it's always really harsh. to improve <laughs> <laughs> So, um, all right. So obviously like, um, Serena Bowen's Brooklyn series, which yep. is around a new, uh, baseball, oh, sorry. <laughs> I do like other sports balls, but, um, yeah, it has a new hockey team. Um, and at this point, I think the last book just came out and there's just probably too many books, <laughs> but I really do like her world. Um, Kendall Ryan's Hot Jocks, which I've just started reading, which I really I like, but I, I wouldn't consider it outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, L. Kennedy's Briar You, which I just read the most recent book, and it was fine. It was, yeah. it was fine. Um, and Helena Hunting, who wrote, <laughs> I started reading because she wrote a book called Pucked, and I just, I, I laughed when I saw it. I'm like, I'm going to give it a go. And it's like farcical slapstick romance which I don't actually like that much but I kind of there was something in her writing and she started like turning down the slapstick in a newer series yep. and it, I really really like it so um yeah so Serena Bowen, Kendall Ryan, L Kennedy and Hella Hunting and basically anything about sports ball I will so, probably read. Have you read Rachel Reed? I think I have, but probably not a lot. I'm writing that down. So That's she, great. Give so, me your football people. Um, Hidden Rivalry is my favorite out of the three that are out. Um, it's about, it's hockey, Romans, a secret. They're rivals in hockey mm. and have a secret relationship. They're male-male romance. And it's basically like 50% of sex, but it's just really good. So that I'll, was- I'll give it a go. I will say just the male-male hockey romance I have liked reading some of it, but some of it feels like it is um, fetishizing gay men in a way that makes me quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, the fact that there aren't very many like super successful um, gay romance writers writing own voices is troubling (laughs) to me. So I think I, 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 that's where I have a bit of discomfort with um, straight women writing gay men yeah. <laughs> in the romance. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, and that we, you know, it's kind of reflective of the fact there's not as much female, female, like <laughs> yeah. romance being published because straight women like to read the gay men romance, which I mean, I do too, but 
there's a fetishization level that I, that makes me very, very uncomfortable. And I don't think people have interrogated about themselves. And I also know hockey is very white. So I actually do like the other sports balls like football and there's a lot more, um, yeah. I've read a lot more characters from Latino and black back, like, uh, backgrounds. And I will just to, I also like a coach's daughter and a player trope is a thing I kind of also like. I kind of have a power thing, right? Is that what's coming into play? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) But um, I was mentioned one more thing, and it's about competition, is the Jessica Clare series, um, The Games, which every book is based on a reality TV show. So the first book is on Endurance Island, which is Survivor, basically. It's about two contestants falling in love whilst they, like, uh, trying to vote each other out. So it's kind of great. love that <laughs> yeah awesome all right so rudy what's your favorite top genre and what book have you read this past year do you love i don't know what my favorite subgenre is um because i think i read more based on tropes than anything but i am going through what i what new books i've read this year and um the ones that I seem to have rated the highest are all um, sci-fi futurism kind of things. Um, so Polaris Rising and the rest of that consortium series, but also um, A Conspiracy of Whispers is one of the books that I started right as the lockdown for COVID-19 happened. And it was actually a pretty good choice for a, yeah, for a book right in the middle of all of that because it's this, it is a book where, for plot reasons, the heroine really doesn't want to get close enough to touch the hero or for him to be close enough to her to touch her. Um, so there's a lot of, like, she's very protective of her personal bubble (laughs) she's like yeah um and so that's also sort of a futuristic kind of I mean I guess it's it's post-apocalyptic um yeah and that's by Ada Harper so currently there's two books in that series and now that I'm thinking of futuristic slash dystopian Alyssa Cole's a uh, dystopian post-apocalyptic series, um, which has Radio Silence um, as the first book in the trilogy, I'm blanking on the other two. But yeah, that that is also a fantastic series of novellas. Um, so I guess let's let's say that that's my favourite of this year. Hello, <laughs> and um, tell us where you can find you online. Uh, you can find the podcast at Bridgerton Pod um, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can find our website at BridgertonPod.com. But you can find me at Snarky Wench pretty much across all the platforms. Um, you can find me at Katie Did in Oz across all the platforms as well. All right. And I'm Rudy underscore B, so B double E, on Twitter and Instagram. Although my Instagram is a little bit more dancing than it is books. 
<laughs> She's a great it's really dad, good though. dancing though. Yes. Yeah, so do yourself a favor and follow her on Instagram. That's awesome. I, I'm gonna get back to dance classes as soon as things open up. <laughs> when the world restarts, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for your recommendations. Thank you for having oh, us. It was really yeah, exciting. Thanks for asking. I've been writing Thanks. things down that Kate and Rudy have been, and you have been saying, so I've got a good TBR list now. <laughs> That's awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with friends, subscribe, rate, and review the show. This is the easiest way to support this podcast. Once you connect with fellow romance readers and make new friends, get weekly book recommendations, attend monthly meetups, then join our Patreon community. You can join at whatrainnextblog.com slash Patreon. Romance lovers, check out Queen Bee Reads Etsy shop for cute and comfortable bookish apparel. The shop also features social justice apparel and fun items from some of your favorite TV shows like The Shits, Greeks, and The Office. Use code WATCHREAD10 to save. Visit whatreenextblog.com slash queenbeereads. Next podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover new podcasts to love on frolic.media slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.